Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. My name is Chris Chapman, and I am your host. And if this is your first time tuning in, then this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a fully qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator, or mover and shaker in their industry, and really walk through their story, how they have gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we dive into this week's episode, I just want to reiterate my main goal, which is to impact over 1 million people. So if you have not done this already, please take the time to subscribe to Next Level Minds on Apple Podcast. Share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague. And if you're really feeling special, leave a review of Next Level Minds on Apple Podcast and let me know what you think. Now on to today's guest. I am sitting down with a great friend of mine, Brandon Greenplate. Him and I have known each other for about eight years now. We met in Clemson University back in 2015. We were fraternity brothers, roommates, all that. Since then, him and I have both grown into very successful careers and businesses. So I'm excited to dive in with Brandon today because he is a 30 under 30 realtor, a short-term rental specialist, a real estate investor, and he has sold almost a hundred million dollars worth of real estate and he hasn't been in the game for too long he also has eight investment properties and he's under the age of 30 and he truly is an expert in his craft i've had multiple conversations with him offline on the phone for a few years now about real estate and every time i get off a call with him i am just blown away by the knowledge that he's been able to give me So I'm excited to dive into the conversation. Be sure to grab a notepad today because he's going to give a lot of advice on how to get started in the real estate investment game, as well as a lot of advice for entrepreneurs out there. Because when you're a realtor, you're truly running your own business. And other than that, as we like to say here at Next Level Minds, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success. Brandon, thanks so much for hopping on the Next Level Minds podcast, brother. Chris, thank you so much for having me, my friend. It is so good to be here. Dude, I, I just think this is awesome, man, because we've both grown individually in our own kind of career paths in business. And, uh, you know, if you were to tell me, what was that, like our junior year when we lived together, like we'd be recording a motivational style business podcast. I'd be like, what the heck are you talking about? No way. No way. It's funny how things come full circle, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I love, man. But uh, other than that, is your week going well on your end? Yeah, man, rock and rolling, making it happen. Every day is a different day. Every um, you know morning is a new opportunity, and uh, you know just waking up every day and paying rent as far as getting things done. Yeah, dude, we'll we'll touch on all this later. But like, what's what's your favorite part about living in Hilton Head? I know it's a great area. So. Uh, great question. Uh, honestly. The sunsets, man. I'll tell you mm-hmm. what, I live right on the water over here in Harbor Town on the marina. Um, you cannot beat a Hilton Head sunset. It sets and then it's light for another 45 minutes. Once you live on the water, we say it's addicting and you can't move away from it. So um, we'll just have to figure that out here as we move forward. Have you strategically done like some property tours when the sunset's going down and you're like, what do you think about living here? Type of thing. 
have to, man. You got to have a mistake, baby. You know? Yeah. No, that's funny, man. So uh, I'd love if you could get started on this because I think this will guide a great conversation. I obviously know you and I had the opportunity to meet at Clemson. We're fraternity brothers and all that. And I know knowing you personally, uh, you've always kind of had that going against the grain mentality. So I would kind of love if you could touch it there and then maybe your background a little bit at Clemson and all that stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost, Chris, going to Clemson together and sitting here today, it really is special. Thanks so much for having me. Um, and yeah, talk about special Clemson University, shout out Clemson University, Winely transferring to Clemson, um, was probably one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. And then, you know, joining the group of guys that we were together with was, um, very special experience, very special university there for two national championships. And it's funny, you know, when, uh, I first got to Clemson, I was certain expectations, some were met, some weren't, um, but there were always things in my mind, how things should have been within the fraternity, within, you know, the social life and, you know, all that stuff. And I was never afraid to speak my opinion or, you know, go against the grain. And a lot of people did not like me for it. Right. You know, and it's funny because we go back to Clemson today, eight, you know, eight years since we were first, you know, pledge brothers and people still know my name, your name, you know, so we must have done something pretty, pretty special there. And, you know, kind of just growing up and always wanting to go to a big university, going to a big university, winning two national championships, being part of the best fraternity in the United States and meeting great friends like you is just uh, one of the many special things about Clemson. And, you know, it's, it's a wild ride, especially post-graduation, but um, we're here today. Dude, it's been eight years. That's, I feel old now, now that you said that. Eight years, man. Wow. My our 10 year high school uh reunions coming up. Think about oh, that. Wow. That's even wilder, man. <laughs> Time does fly. Um, do, do you think you need to have that that going against the grain mentality if, if you do want to start your own business? Or what, what are your thoughts there? You do. You know, there's always going to be adversities, um, and you're never gonna always get what you want, but you gotta be somebody that manifests things. You gotta have vision, right? You mm. you wanna know where you want your boat to sail and you're going to do whatever it takes for your boat, your business to sail in that direction. So I guess I was kind of natural to me, um, even though, like I said, it pissed some people off, but um, it's a very good analogy to running a business. It really is. You know, you're going to face adversity. You're going to have failures. You're going to, you know, stumble. And as long as you have that vision in place of what things should be and how things should work, you know, and you're giving a hundred percent, to get your organization there, you will be successful. Yeah, no, for sure, man. And I know your, your first year, um, I remember you called me actually like six months into your first year. We actually had like a catch up call. I just remember this kind of clearly. I was on like my apartment balcony. I was like making a, a low salary, but like thought I was the man cause I was getting a salary and commission. You're like, I'm on commission only, man. Like I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And I was like, <laughs> oh man, like, Good luck. And then obviously you've built this like tremendous career, but I know that was not easy. And I know that first year was super hard. And I think it translates well to a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to the show that are trying to get their business off the ground. Um, so I would love maybe if you, if you wouldn't mind talking about kind of that first year as a realtor before obviously all the, the highlights and stuff that you've had now. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think any endeavor, any business you're going to go into, you need to commit 100%. And that was mm -hmm. kind of before I even jumped in, I said, I'm going to be a sponge. I'm going to learn as much as I can. And I'm going to give it 110% and just see what happens. Right. Um, so I was lucky enough to come back to Hilton Head, have a place um, to hang my license where I interned for the first two summers. And with that being said, 
I put my face to the fire, right? You know, I mean, being a hundred percent commission, um, luckily I, I had some places to stay in the meantime, but, um, you know, it's really eat or be eaten. And there's people mm. that are down here in real estate that I was competing against that have been doing it for 30 or 40 years. Um, so it was a learning curve, right? First and foremost, how to fail, how to get up when you fail, right? And then additionally, what kind of pivots you need to make in order to keep sailing that ship in the right direction. Um, ultimately for me in the first year, I didn't make much money, right? But I learned a lot. I made a bunch of relationships. And when I look back after 12 months, I was like, holy crap, I've got some momentum. But I think it's it's a, it's a something that people lack patience. I lack patience. I'm bad. I'm impatient with it. But I had such a clear vision of where I wanted to go with it. Every time I was down, every time I was like, oh, this, you know, I just, I thought of where I wanted to be in my head and that kept me moving forward. So it's perseverance, you know, the first year of business, first year for me down here in real estate, um, and you know, you'll never truly understand what you can accomplish in five years, looking back at it, right. You know, based off of what you do in that first year. Yeah, dude. How, how do you think you get the momentum? Right. Cause I think that, that obviously gets you forward, but like there's times in life where you're like, man, I just got nothing going. I need, I need that momentum. Right. Got to start small, right. You yeah. know, you got, you got to commit to yourself. You got to make promises to yourself. You know, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to set out on this journey, on this venture with this business, with this team at the end of the day, you know, um, you just, you've got to stay consistent with it and mm -hmm. each little win, take that and move it up, move it up. I remember when I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go and far as graduate after graduation, what city, what industry mm -hmm. I called as many successful people as I, as I knew of some super, 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 almost billionaire type people. And I'll never forget this one guy, uh, it's funny, he's in real estate, um, commercial real estate, but he said, Brandon, whatever you decide to do, it's going to take you to that next level. And maybe you're not on the right path right now, but those stairs that you're climbing will open the right door at the right time to get you where you want to be. So it was almost like, okay, let's keep chugging away at this. Let's keep chugging away. I, I, I feel the momentum, little baby wins, baby wins, baby wins. I'm committing to what I'm saying I'm going to do. I'm fulfilling my own promises. And, um, you know, once you get enough of that rolling and then all of a sudden, you know, you start closing for me some big deals and I'm like, I can do this. Right. It's almost faking it till you make it. Right. But um, yeah, momentum's key, but you got to start somewhere. You got to start small. Yeah, dude. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's how it works, man. You just keep the head down, keep going, keep it one foot after the other, just like building a house brick by brick by brick. You look back a year later and you're like, I got this huge house or in this case, this, this life that I'm build and continuing to build, you know? Absolutely. You know, nothing happens overnight. Nothing good happens overnight. You know, it takes time. It really does. Yeah. So what, what were some like early learning lessons for, for that first year? Yeah. You know, so I've got the realtor background. I've kind of stumbled into investing. And one of the big things for me, as far as kind of not shifting, but also thinking as an investor, just as much of a realtor, I'll never forget this story. I was sitting down with my broker. My broker has been selling real estate on Hilton Head since 1984. Super successful, mm -hmm. top five, top 10 agent. And, um, you know, we're going through stuff every morning. And one of the first few mornings, he said, Brandon, you know, me and Tad, Tad's a guy that's in our office as well, you know, probably about the same age as Robbie, mid 60s, and said, Tad's out today racing cars, doing whatever the heck he wants to do. He sells a little real estate here and there. He said, Brandon, I'm in here every day. I love what I do, but I'm pounding the pavement. I'm, you know, selling, selling, selling. He said, Brandon, you know, the difference in 1984 when Tad and I both started selling real estate is I tried to sell as much real estate as I could, and Tad tried to buy as much real estate as he could. Mm -hmm. And that really stuck with me. So as far as, you know, that wasn't as much of a failure as just something I really soaked in and learned in that first year. 
you know, if you want to be successful as far as, you know, monetary things go, you need to buy real estate. And it doesn't matter where that money's coming from, but um, ultimately that is one of the most prominent ways people do it. So that stuck with me. I would say additionally, as far as a, a hurdle is, you know, I'll never forget going on a listing presentation and this guy just um, telling me straight up, he's like, nah, I don't want to hire you. You don't know what you're doing. Right. And I was probably six months in at that point. And I was like, okay, you know, I know a little bit, but I guess he's not totally wrong. And um, what did that do? It made me learn more. It made me mm -hmm. go back and figure out what I did wrong, what I should have said. So the next time I won't make that mistake. And I think that's with every hurdle in the first year of a business is learn the biggest objections and learn how to overcome them. Yeah, dude. And take that, uh, that fuel. Cause I'm sure you're pissed off about that. And you're like, I'm going to put this into product, uh, productive action, you know, for sure. You have to, you know, it either goes momentum works in both ways, right? True. You know, you can either be rolling up the hill or down the hill, obviously up the hill is a lot harder to go than down the hill, but you know, you're always going to be rolling in one direction. You just got to control which direction you're rolling in and make sure it's going in the right direction and use that and keep pushing forward. Yeah. So that story you shared six months in, um, did you have any struggles? Cause I I've seen your listings like over time, right. Of like 300,000, 500,000, 1 million, and they've like slowly kept going up. Right. But like, I feel like the folks that are buying these two, three, $4 million homes, it's like they're seasoned veterans in business, 40, 50, 60 years old. So like, did you ever, or do you ever get any pushback of like, Hey, you're a little young. I don't know if that happens in real estate or not. Cause I'm not in it, but. Yeah. I mean, definitely kind of more in my head really mm -hmm. than, um, out there as far as the market goes, um, you're always second guessing yourself when you're starting a new venture, right? And I think yeah. what was big for me was ultimately understanding that I control every interaction, right? I control, I can portray myself differently than all these agents that have been doing it for 30 or 40 years. So I started to look at things perspective, right? I started to change my perspective and said, okay, I'm 23, but I know how to do this technology so much better. I'm quicker. I'm, you know, more in depth with what's coming on the market and I can get it in front of you faster. So I changed my perspective to almost make it be a positive. And then again, right. I think it was about a year in, you know, I, I'm in Hilton head. It's a high end luxury market. If you're pounding the pavement hard enough, you know, so every once in a while, the fruits of your labor are going to fall. I sold a $4.2 million house and brought the buyer. Right. And at that point, that was about a year in. So that might've been like my 10th, probably a year and a half. Right. You know, so my first six, nine months, I didn't sell anything. Right. You know, nine months through 12 months, 15 months, maybe five, 10 sales. And then that sale happened. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, baby, I have arrived. And, um, you know, that was just the, the the big thing for me that was like, I can do this and I can do this on the most top level. And I just use that as fire. You know, I started marketing to everybody in the neighborhood yeah. that I brought the buyer to this $4.2 million house. And I might be able to find another one if you want to sell. Right. And funny has it, I got another listing from that. Right. You know, and it's just pedal to the metal when you have good things going. A lot of people will get too satisfied on selling a $4.2 million house just be done. I looked at it as how can I use that to continue to push me in the right direction? Yeah. So what what was your highest one before that, that 4.2? <laughs> um, one of my first listings, actually, again, high-end resort market was a, a $1.2 million place for my, uh, actually good friends of mine, parents. And um, it was like a second or third home down here. And I'm still getting shit from him for convincing his wife to sell it before 2020 uh, because no. it went up like 800 oh, yeah. grand, you know? Um, but no, so 
You know, it was a trickle effect, but I'd say my average sale price in the first two years was probably five, 600,000, wow. you know, um, and 2023, my average sale price is 1.1 1. 1 million, mm. you know, so it's, you know, focusing on the people that, you know, are going to serve my time best because there's only one of me and I probably have 300 clients in my book of business right now. Yeah, absolutely. What, what is your strategy for, uh, for relationship building? I know that's huge in business. It really is long-term. I tell every single one of my clients or normally customers before they're really turned into clients is listen, you know, anything you need, any value I can add, I'm not trying to sell you on something right now. If you need me to go, you know, let your cleaning lady in on your rental, let me know and I'll send somebody down there. I'll go do it myself, but I'm long-term. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be in your corner. And then every person that I sold a property to or had a lot of touch points with, I would just go above and beyond on the level of service. I mean, just like, you know, to the point where other people couldn't do that because I was so young. I had the time, not young, but early in the stages of of selling real estate. I didn't have that much business, but I would, you know, I'd take people out to dinner after. And, you know, these guys are like, you know, this guy sold me a you know $500,000 house, which is an expensive house. Don't get me wrong, but why is he taking me out? To, and I'm just, you know, that's just who I was. And then before you know it, the referrals start flowing in, right? Yeah. Because you start treating people right and creating raving fans and it's, you know, it's back to that wheel of momentum. And um, I'm a big believer with relationships long-term um, and just, you know, provide value at every single touch point and exceed their expectations when it comes to service. Because to be honest with you, mm. service is, is the level of service out there. It's it's pretty low right now. The bars, it's not hard to go above and beyond in this, you know, low touch tech world. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things people can do to you know, writing a thank you card or Christmas cards, right? Things like that, you know, and even more, but I would say high touch points nice. over serve your clients. Yeah, man. I'm sure the guy you took to dinner is like, wait, you're, you're commission only. You don't have a, an expense account. Like you're using your own money to do this too. I mean, that even goes further. So yeah, that's the other learning part of, you know, working for yourself, right. Mm. You know, and kind of in that first year, as far as it's me, and there's nobody else that I can rely on. And I related a lot to it from playing a lot of junior golf growing up, right? Mm. You know, when you're kind of in the corner, you know, you don't have a teammate to pass the ball to. You know, yeah. you got to get out of bed. You got to go get it. You got to go make that money because if not, there, there's nothing coming in. And, you know, once you start tasting it a little bit, you know, getting out of bed gets a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah. Dude, you work with a lot of high high profile clients. I mean, do you see... What's what's the difference between just like the average folks that are like, ah, oh, you know, look for a six hundred thousand dollar house, buying a five million dollar vacation home, right? Not that like six hundred thousand dollar house is cheap, right? But like, do you see a kind of a differentiator between some of these folks that are buying multi million dollar vacation homes? They're obviously doing really well. I mean, I'm just kind of curious because I know the listeners want to be successful, so they're like, what are some traits that you see? Yeah, for sure. So I think the biggest thing with people that are you know low. Um, price point buyers versus high price point buyers is the high price point buyers for me are a lot easier, right? Yeah. Because they buy a lot of real estate. They're familiar with it. The people that are in the lower end of the purchasing price, you know, they're first time home buyers, or this is a second home that they're really, you know, second guessing on jumping out on the limb. And it's funny, I've had so many people like that. If they would have bought, they'd be up $200,000. Uh, but it comes down to the amount of real estate these people buy. These guys that are buying you know, I had a guy call me up this year and bought a portfolio of $7 million worth of real estate from 1031 money, you know, and I've really kind of made my niche in this investment realm, but more or less, the guy probably has owned a hundred properties in his life. And, you know, it all comes back to kind of one of my principles, which is buy 
old scale, right? Um, and that is something for your listeners that I think is, is just very important. You know, real estate investing is is the ticket. If you know what you're doing and you commit to it, you know, obviously you have to have some capital on the front end or get creative. But all of those high end buyers are seasoned real estate investors. You know, I've really never seen anybody pull money out of stocks and tenth, you know, or or whatever they do buy real estate with it. You know, of course, you got to diversify, but the biggest trade is experience mm. in buying real estate. Dude, it's so funny because, like, in my sales process, the folks that I close big deals with, like, they're like, just sign the contract, just paid, talk to you later. And then it's always like the low buyers that are like, have a million questions, are late on the invoice payments. And I'm like, it's just funny. Those high end guys have done it 150 uh, times before, right? Yeah. You know, it's, just, it's another deal. They took the emotion out of it. Yeah, that, that's a good point. So, um, I know you're a short-term rental specialist, so I want to talk about this, the investment for, portfolio. Um, I know I mentioned this to the listeners in the introduction before we hopped on. You have eight properties, investment portfolios doing very well at an early age. You tinted on the fact that it does create freedom, right? But I know a lot of people out there are like, okay, well, like, I want to get started in real estate investment. I, maybe I have some excess capital. Kind of what are like your first couple steps of suggestion there. Yeah, for sure. A lot packed in there. Let me back up real yeah, quick yeah. as far as the short terms goes. So I got established in real estate in Hilton Head right before COVID hit, right? And what happened when COVID happened, and I was so blessed to be established and have my foot in the door, is mindset change. People were mad at their job, they quit. If they didn't like their spouse, they got divorced. If they didn't like where they lived, they moved and they were working from home, right? A whole new world. So what happened was, all these lifestyle markets exploded, right? You know, in South Carolina, they weren't, you know, forcing people to wear right. two masks going inside, right. right? So it was a little bit more of a freedom. You could be out at the beach, more spread out, right? Um, and we saw the most amount of oceanfront houses in sell in, um, what was it, March of 2020, then all of 2018 and 2019. So everybody's just getting out, right? And it all trickled down there. And the reason that people are doing that, you know, it kind of, transfers into why people buy real estate. And obviously, um, you know, the oceanfront houses is not a great example for everybody, but you want to look at owning real estate as layers to a cake, right? So each layer provides a different benefit. You know, really, what are those benefits? Normal real estate um, that's not a short-term rental is going to be mortgage pay down, you know, so your tenants are paying down your mortgage over time. Appreciation, if you hold the asset long enough, it's going to go up in value. Um, tax, benefits in the form of cost segregation, which is a whole nother thing. There's massive tax benefits to owning real estate, especially if you're a real estate professional. And then ultimately, um, with the short-term rentals, you'll have the ability to use your investment, right? So these people are buying, a lot of my clients are buying these second homes that are coming down here and you know they're still renting them 40, 40 weeks out of the year for $250,000, but all of a sudden they have 16 weeks of free use to come and spend time with their family, right? So when you look at all those layers, you know, um, that is why real estate is, you know, the nuts and bolts of why it's so good. It goes up in value while other people are paying it down. That delta, your equity grows. You can pull the cash out. You can leverage capital within where you can't do that in other assets. And, you know, kind of fast forwarding a little bit into my properties, you know, it was it was interesting for me, um, you know, to buy my first property and then see immense amount of appreciation happen in it. Got a little lucky, right? But I also did some work to it, put about $100,000 into it, which probably increased its value by an extra 200. Um, long story short, I have short-term rentals. Um, that's 
my bread and butter. I have multifamilies. I have commercial conversion projects going on right now. I have lots prepping for development. But um, the biggest key within the layers of the cake, and I might have forgot this one, is cash flow, right? As long as you can have more money coming in, going out on a monthly basis, then, um, you know, it's ultimately going to pay for itself. And over time, you know, the equity is going to grow and you have a lot of different options. So I would, to answer your question for somebody that is starting and they want to get into real estate, right? And the first thing you can do is buy a primary residence, period, right? Buy a primary residence. FHA will let you put three to 5% down that three to 5%. um, You lock in that rate on that type of loan long-term, if you decide to move out and you want to go, you know, rent that place out again, buy, hold and scale, then ultimately, um, you know, you will, instead of paying 20% down, like a normal investment property, you bought that property for 3% down, right? And every few years you can keep doing that. So that's probably the, the easiest way to get into it. Buy a primary residence, move into it, fix it up, charge rent, move out, buy something else, keep scaling that way. Um, and then, I can get into a story here a little bit later about tapping into the equity from the value add that you kind of create within, you know, swinging a hammer or increasing rents on the front end. Yeah, that's really cool, man. I think that's just a a seamless way, right? To put three to 5% down. I think a lot of people think like, oh, I have to put 20 and it's like, no, 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 do the primary, chilling it for a year or two, rinse and repeat. You know, that's kind of- again, yeah, exactly. And that's the easiest way to get, you can scale faster, right? And once you start having some equity, um, but you know, ultimately you can buy these investment properties. If you were to go and live in your primary and go buy another investment property, the lender is going to charge you 20, 25% down, you know, but yeah. if you call it your primary and move into it, then it's going to be five or 10% down. Yeah. You have some closing costs, but you can get creative. Yeah, no, that's so true. So do you think you need a master one area first before jump? Like, can you do short term, become a master of that then flip to long term, become, or is it okay? Like in the first couple of years to have your hand in a lot of different things. Yeah. So I'm definitely in more things than probably the average person when it comes right. to real estate. Um, I would say the the biggest thing, more importantly than what type of real estate you're in, because there's so many types, right? I mean, there is endless ways to make money in real estate. You know, find something that you're comfortable with, um, but also a little uncomfortable with because you're stepping out of your comfort zone. And um, it depends where you're at too, right? Like if you're if you're living in a town that, is very high tourism, right? Or even just right down the road, or there's a college town, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you're looking at, you know, student housing. Look at what the market is telling you that you want to go in. So it's all about the research on the front end, but don't, I see so many people that get so bogged down in research and and if they were to just do it, they would have been up a lot of money and they would have been a lot further ahead in the learning curve. Because again, it comes back to, at least for me, the best way to learn something is to do it, right? Throw yourself in the fire, see what happens, right? Um, And, don't be afraid to pull the trigger. Um, you know, if you don't take the shot, it won't go in. Um, and I think for me, buying a few properties on my, my next big one, I did go in with some partners on it and we bought a, a short-term rental. And it's I'm a big fan of changing the use of the property, right? So if you can find a property that you can change the use of, for example, we're doing a, a bank building right now. We bought it as an office space and we're converting it into multifamily for workforce housing. But this house that we were doing, it was a long-term primary residence. There was a lockout down below. Down below um, had a kitchen, a a bedroom, a bathroom, a living room, and upstairs was a 3-2. So we came in and we said, we're going to open it all up. We're going to connect the upstairs and the downstairs, and we're going to take this lockout long-term rental with the owner living above into this big beach house. 
Also location, location, location. It was, you know, a house that needed a lot of work, but the location was unbelievable. We got a great deal. We bought it for 850. Actually, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say this, but my one of my partners put it in as their primary residence. So we put like 11% down on this house. So between it was three total partners. So 11% down on 850, whatever that is, you know, 60, 70 grand a person. Um, we put $400,000 of our own money into it to make the transformation, put a pool in, all of this, you know, new plumbing, new electrical, which sounds scary, but once you really get in and, you know, you see the value of what that does, it's worth it. It got refinanced or reappraised when we were refinancing it after it was done for 2.7 million. So we were in for 1.2 million total, you know, got it reappraised, pull our initial investments out. So our whatever 11% of the initial down payment was plus our 400,000 each on top, we got 135 grand checks each. And then we had $250,000 left over that we went and bought an oceanfront beach house on a, an island with no bridge called Defusky Island. So all of a sudden, I mean, in 12, 14 months, we created $1.2 million worth of wealth from the house on Hilton Head that is now today doing $250,000 in gross rents, right? Mm -hmm on a yearly basis, which was probably $150,000 in cash flow. Not only did we create that 1.2 million, we also got an oceanfront beach house for practically free, you know, and that's going to appreciate too over time, right? Smart about where we're buying, smart about what's happening on the back end of, you know, these different communities, what's going to go up, what can, you know, rent for, you know, good numbers. Um, but that's the power of using leverage in real estate, right? And my buddy did move in there. Um, if there's any, uh, uh, people listening that are in the mortgage industry for the first six months, you know, so we <laughs> break any rules. Right. But um, ultimately, uh, we did move in. And then, you know, it's just, it's crazy. If you can't go and buy $1.2 million worth of stocks, which is what we had on that initial investment on that real estate for, you know, whatever it was, 400 grand, 450 grand after, um, yeah, you know, all the remodel and stuff. So it's leveraging your assets. And I also want to note, you know, and I have nothing against diversifying your portfolio. I've got stocks too, but you can't vacation in your stocks and bonds like you can here on Hilton Head Island with your short-term rentals. Yeah, dude, that's awesome, man. I remember you told me that story right after it happened and I was just still mind blown. Um, I'm still mind blown, like, right? But it's the momentum. Keep it going. Yeah. You, um, you talked about like all the electrical work and stuff. So like how, how much do you need to know to do some rehab stuff like that, just a tiny bit so you can communicate with subs or do you actually personally know a good bit? Um, I, no, I don't swing a hammer. I'm not um, involved in that manner. I'm just know where my skills are, right? My skills are finding deals, building relationships, negotiating. But I will tell you this, who you know can teach you what you need to know, right? But don't be afraid to delegate that stuff. I mean, it's it comes back to owning a business, right? You, you know, they're your subs, they're your contractors. This is what you're expecting. This is what's going to happen. And, you know, get it done, get it done right and hire the right people, right? That might be more than anything is do a little research on the front end of who you're hiring. Don't just get Joe Schmo off the street. Um, but in South Carolina, you can act as the GC on any project that's a single family residence. So we didn't have to hire, you know, somebody to take 20% off the top. And me being in the real estate industry, I know all the plumbers, all the electricians, all the you know, all that kind of stuff, just from referring those to clients of mine that it sounds scary. And I guess for the listeners to get out of it, yes, you don't have to go buy a million dollar house and throw $400,000 in it to double your money. 
But I mean, if you go buy a condo, every property is going to sell at a premium or every premium property is going to sell at top dollar, right? Every property that needs some work is going to sell at a discount. So don't be afraid to go get something that needs the carpet stripped up in your one bedroom condo, right? Or, you know, popcorn scraped off the ceiling and paint, you know, that's the kind of stuff that adds value, not only to the property, but to what you can charge for rents, right? You know, what the refinance is going to look like. Um, so I guess my behavior that I would recommend is don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. Yeah, man. And I think finding the kind of the distressed properties, it's like, how hard is it to replace the carpet, scrape the popcorn off? replace a cabinet or two, you know, and then that's actually going to increase the value of the property so much more than what you put into it. So. Absolutely. You know, and again, if you could, there's good deals in every market, right? So right yeah. now what's going on in this market, high interest rates, right? Everybody's mm -hmm. scared, you know, sitting on the sidelines. The reality is over the next nine to 12 months are going to be the best, in my opinion, um, deals that are happening as a whole, when you look back five years from now, right? Because this is something I think important for your listeners too, as far as going out and buying real estate. Oh, the market's going to crash. Stop listening to the mainstream media, first and foremost. They don't know what they're talking about. They're yeah. trying to scare you. They build off of fear. Second, we are 6 million homes short in the United States. So what happened in 2008 when we had the bubble? They stopped building houses. People didn't stop having families and needing a place to live. There's over a million people entering the housing sector every year, right? Looking for another house to live. We're already 5 million homes short. Until that difference is made up, and they're only building maybe a million a year right now, not quite. And there's more people, um, Gen X's that are kind of, or whatever the gen is right now, yeah. housing. Um, until that difference meets and it comes back to even, it's a supply and demand issue. Simple economics in the United States. Hilton Head is a resort lifestyle, limited su uh, finite supply location. So that dial's turned up even more. But in every place in the United States, there's not enough houses, right? Residential is the best investments you can make right now, in my opinion. Of course, there's the repurposing, you know, all that from one use to another. I love those too. But we're, we're, don't be afraid to buy real estate right now, guys, because at the end of the day, we're 6 million and probably counting getting bigger homes short. And until that meets up, you know, go find a place that's growing. Go find a college town that's changing from college to university, right? Go to the next beach town that's going to be up and coming. Or just buy it where you're at right now and get something cheap because it's not going down long term. You need to look at these as 5, 10, 15-year assets. You don't go buy Apple stock to flip it in a month, right? And that's kind of the way you need to look at real estate. Yeah, man, I agree. It's the headlines are trying to get people scared, but it's like you got to think about it in the long-term approach type of thing. So It's all long-term, baby. It's a long-term game. Um, so yeah, I mean, what do you think holds people back from making moves? Is it watching the news too much or is it just being scared or like kind of what are the, the factors there? Yeah. I mean, I would say the biggest thing that holds people back is, you know, misinformation first and foremost, from what they're getting from the mainstream media, what they're telling themselves, right? I can't advise enough for somebody, you know, that wants to get rolling in real estate connect with the right people who you know can teach you what you need to go go find some of the the hungry real estate agents in your market talk to them and then ask them who are the best lenders in that market right go get pre-approved put all your ducks in a row start to understand start to paint the picture pick these people's brains because you know you can't do it by yourself right i mean if i just threw my sentence i'm going to do it right get a partner on the first one you know but don't be afraid to pull the trigger because you know, it's funny. So I've got a guy when I first started selling real estate, I was so sad that this deal didn't go through because it was like my first one. Uh, and 
the guy got scared, backed out of the deal after we had it together, and I was upset. If he would have held that, if he would have bought it and held it to today, he'd have another five hundred thousand dollars in his bank account. Wow! Right, and that's not everybody. And you know, yeah, yeah, fear of loss and all that stuff. But you know, properties are liquid, right? People are going to need a place to live for the next ever, right? You know, if you got to sell it, you can sell it, right? Um, but don't be afraid to surround yourself with the right people. Don't be afraid. Just jump out there and see what happens. Because if you don't do it, you'll never know. Yeah, that's true. You don't have a regret of like, man, what would have happened if I pulled the trigger on that one? Yeah, for sure. Um, dude, you you have some really big goals and visions. I know you've shared them with me privately. Like, what what is your process when you're setting like longer term goals? Um, is it just like shoot for the moon, land for the stars type of thing, or what? What are your thoughts there? You know, at first I was a shoot for the moon, land amongst the stars kind of guy, um, and there's still a little bit of that in me, a gunslinger yeah. mentality, which serves me very well sometimes and serves me not as not as well the older i've gotten though it's it's all about the massive action plan right you know i think um warren buffett warren buffett said it uh you know write down 25 of the biggest goals you want to do in your life right and then cross every single one out except for three right Mm. so really start to say all right where where do i want to go how do i want to get there and what do i have to do relationship wise process wise learning wise to just get me rolling in that right direction. So for me, I have year goals. I have, I have production goals, right? So every month, every deal, every, all the numbers I'm calculating and I have the goals on how much I want to sell, how much I want to buy, but then I, I go bigger, right? I'm still focused on what my goal is, but I'm just looking out more, more in the long term. you know, and a big one that I have right now is I'm 27. By the time I turn 30, I want 20 properties, right? That's three years to acquire another 12 properties. That shouldn't be that hard. Um, And, you know, you start looking and you start, time is your friend in real estate, right? So Mm. rents are going to continue to go up as other people are paying down your mortgage, as you have more equity and it's going to buy freedom, you know, and the sense of, I love real estate. I'm going to keep selling it, but I don't have to pound my pavement, my face against the pavement every single day to make, put food on the table, right? You know, it, it just, it, it kind of alleviates that. So for me, my goals are real estate. My goals are health. My goals are, you know, mentally, physically with the health. It, it's very important, you know, in sales and in real estate to to be functioning at a hundred percent. If I if I'm not functioning mentally, physically, taking care of myself, you know, so I've got all those types of goals, whether it's health, spiritual, wealth. Uh, but I just think, regardless, you got to set goals and you got to set big goals in the future, and then work your way backwards and how you're going to get there. Yeah, man. I love that you touched on the, the whole mental, physical thing. I mean, those are tools that you have to actually create success in your life, right? And so you should continue to sharpen that saw because that's going to help you to do better and better in your personal life, your career, your wealth. But if you're not firing on those cylinders, you're going to have lack of energy. Your cognitive ability is not going to be where it's at. And then you're not going to achieve the best version of yourself that you're striving for. 100%. 100%. You know, you, you you got to be mindful of what you're putting in your body, what you do, um, yeah. because also long-term effects, right? You know, we're building these great lives. We want to live for a very long time. Yeah. I, I read something today that was like, you know, don't let your health fall by the wayside. So you don't have to spend all your money that you created on your health later in life. I was like, damn, that's, that's, a, good that's a good point. That's yeah. a good one, Chappy. I like that. Oh, yeah. I forgot where I saw it. It was one of the reels that popped up scrolling, but uh, I definitely saved it. So. Um, dude, well, what, what final advice do you have for, for the listeners out there? Right. We got a mix of people, so feel free to throw it wherever you want, but we got some young, hungry, young professionals. We got some college grads. we got business owners. 
We got entrepreneurs, we got CEOs, we got a ton of people that listen to the show. Um, so take it however you would like, whether it's suggestions for somebody later in life or early in life, would love for you to take it from there. Yeah. So I think, you know, I've had exponential growth um, in the first four or five years. And I think first and foremost, whatever you want to do, commit 100%, right? Be open to pivot, but commit 100%. Don't get that vision out of your head when the times are hard. Number two, got to surround yourself with the right people, right? You got to spend money on coaches. You got to, you know, invest in yourself. I mean, I've got a, I've got a, a leadership coach. I've got a real estate coach. I've got a mental coach as you know, I've got somebody that I just, you know, go and talk to because I just talk with people all day. So I think surrounding yourself with people that have already done it or people that are even in the business to help you get there, people shy away from that stuff, right? They're like, oh, I don't need that help. If you're, if you're young and you want to have exponential growth, you have to surround yourself with the right people, right? And not just like a good friend group or bad friend group, which is also important, but with people that are going to help you get to where you want to go as fast as possible and expedite that journey. You know, so that that is probably for me is the biggest one. And, um, you know, number three, and this kind of relates to everybody out there listening, whether you're real estate or business or startup, you know, don't be afraid to pull the trigger. Don't be afraid to take that first step. Don't be afraid to jump in. Like if I just wanted to go and, you know, very conservatively in life, that's just not how I am. But, you know, I would be so upset because of how far I have come because I took that first step. Right. Mm. And because you got to be starting getting, you got to like being uncomfortable. Right. You know, and I'm, I'm uncomfortable sometimes I'm stepping when I'm selling a $4.2 million house as a one year out of college. You know, <laughs> I, I'm uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> You know, so you almost got to embrace that uncomfort and say, hey, you know, if I'm really going to do this, this is what hard feels like. And this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to attack it 100 percent. I'm going to commit to it. I'm going to surround myself with the right people, you know, and worst case, you're going to be further along than where you started and your another door is going to open up. So there's always doors opening. There's always things happening. And you just have to, you know, wake up every day and ready to go and make it happen. Dude, let's go, man. I'm I'm super pumped up off that one. Thanks for mentioning that final advice that I know the listeners, if they're driving right now, they're definitely going like 25 over after that. Bring so, the energy, you know. baby. That's my secret sauce too. Not you know, everybody's different, but I I show up with the energy. I can't wait to get in and make it happen. So man, this sure, is brother. this is awesome, man. Uh where can people connect with you, dude? You dropped some some great value. So I want people to know where to find you and all that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um Instagram at Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N dot Greenplate, G-R-E-E-N-P-L-A-T-E. Very unique, Greenplate Real Estate. Um, so Instagram there. You can follow me on LinkedIn. Same thing, Brandon Greenplate. Um, those are probably where I'm at the most. And then we are, me and some partners, um, launching a YouTube channel here shortly where we're talking about different investments, talking about the island lifestyle, talking about, you know, what were we got going on as far as day in day out decision making sales investments beach life so um you can find me on the internet brandon greenplate yeah that's awesome brother well hey thanks again for hopping on the show and um thank you so much for all the value that you gave the listeners as well chris you're the man thank you so much for having me i was waiting for this phone call <laughs> oh man you're killing it keep it up baby i appreciate you having me on and um to your success well, that's it, everyone. Thanks again for taking the time to tune into this week's episode of Next Level Minds. Be sure to connect with Brandon on LinkedIn as well as Instagram. Let him know what you think of the episode. Hit him up with any questions that you have. 
and contact him if you want to get into the real estate game. Other than that, I hope everyone has a fantastic week ahead.